1: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending,
0: the defending, the defending, 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 undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Rink. This is Brett Berry. And the Arizona Wildcats men's basketball team went on the mountain road trip and won both games, Brett. Both games.
2: Just like we all had it drawn up. Especially um, after they
0: beat Utah in triple overtime. As expected, they went to Colorado and just basically led the entire way, other than like a couple minutes to start the game. Like, just as they drew it up, right? Like, I, yeah.
2: I mean, it it was it was kind of a, Rupert road trip for Arizona and their last chance to add to a resume to get a high seed in March, at least in a positive direction, right? And they they did so fairly convincingly. Like the triple overtime game was a little bit of a a struggle at times, but they pulled away, right? Umar Balo has been looking the best he has the last couple weeks, and he has. Maybe in his Arizona career, like I don't know if he got healthier or what, but he looks bouncier, quicker, more engaged, mm-hmm. like that. And that, you know, Kyle Boswell's had some good games. You know, he's still kind of high high variance outcome player. But all in all, it seems like a nice time to be an Arizona Wildcat fan.
0: It does, especially if you're a basketball fan, because going to that road trip, it, it it wasn't make or break. But there's a lot of people like this team can't win on the road. And the mountain trip, they hadn't won at Colorado since 2015. And although they don't play there every year, but, like, they hadn't won at Colorado since 2015. Like, even in their good seasons or whenever, they, when they've shown they can win the road, that's been a tough place to, to win. I think Utah and Colorado had both been undefeated at home until Arizona beat them. So that's that's pretty cool. Like, that's what Arizona is supposed to do when Arizona is really good. They're supposed to be able to win those games. So it's nice to see them do that. The, the Utah game, I see Arizona had a nice lead, and they coughed it up. Double chances to win. Like, at the end of regulation, I think the second overtime, and they just got horrible shots. <laughs> like, I think Con Boswell missed one, like a long three. Caleb Loveland missed a long three on one. It was like, what? Like, do better than that, which is kind of concerning. Like, anytime they've had, like, a final shot situation, they haven't really. I think it was Boswell against FAU. He got the first one. He got another pain and left it just short. Otherwise, they've just been, like, fall away deep threes to try to win. It's like, eh, you're, on, you're tied. You don't need that that shot. That's a bit of a. Huh. I'd like to see better execution or better things drawn up at the end of games. But they won. So it gives you that you can still learn from that and try to work on some things from there. But yeah, Arizona's now won five straight. But those two are obviously the most impressive other than I guess the Oregon game that started this winning streak. But like, when Arizona's good, they're good. Like they were good against Colorado, right? And they were good the entire way in a game that they would have been expected to lose and been forgiven for losing in a tough place, coming off a three overtime game two nights before.
2: Yeah, I think I think with the Oregon game, that was three straight teams that were previously undefeated at home, right? Um, and I, I I share your your comment on the <laughs> the last second shot thing that that kind of felt like they were starting to try to engage something at about the right time, and then they just kind of went sideways and it, like I would have shoot a know. three. <laughs> Well, it's just you know, you even when Caleb Love isn't having his best shooting night, the ball needs to touch his hands in that situation. I don't think he has to be the one taking the shot. Unless he's
0: just a perfect decoy, but then you run up a play where the attention goes to him. Well, but, but they the, didn't even but do the that.
2: well, but and like there's no one drew up the heave it up from thirty feet away play, right? Um, I would hope not. Caleb, Caleb Love is a ninety percent ish free throw shooter where. You want to get him going towards – like, be aggressive there and draw a foul and you can end the well, game I think right there, there.
0: was, I think there was one – I think it might have been the second overtime where he probably did get fouled a little bit. I think he got a bit of a bump and he just missed it. I mean, they didn't get the call. But it's like you can't rely on the call unless it's obvious, but make it an obvious call or just get to the bucket. But that's – I mean, it's nitpicking, but it's also the type of thing that, yeah, in a tournament game, they might have a chance to win the game at regulation. Like, I'd rather have the ball last in a tie game, right? You either win the mm-hmm. shot and win or you go to overtime and have another chance. But it'd be nice to see them get better looks than they have in a couple of situations that they've had like this. Now Maybe they win every game by 20, and it doesn't matter. But it probably will matter. You'll need to get a bucket. Maybe it's not to win a game at the buzzer, but maybe it's like, okay, you're drawing out a timeout with 45 seconds left in a tie game, and you need to take the lead here, right? So can they get a look out of a timeout that's drawn up, or is it basically having your players like Caleb Love just driving by someone and making something happen? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they won those games. And yeah. be, it's easy to feel good about Arizona men's basketball right now on this winning streak coming off of that road trip because the mountain trip is a tough one to sweep it for a team that had struggled away from the McHale center. It says something.
2: Yeah. And I think this is a perfect example. If you, you can, you can take lessons from wins as much as you can take them from losses, right. Uh, on those things at the end of the buzzer. And we're, we're, we're focused on, you know, we're midway through February. We're ready for March. or focused on March right now. And, Arizona's penchant for other teams or the team's going against Arizona's penchant for hitting buzzer beaters at the end of halves Arizona needs to figure it out on their side because I swear to God there's been like what eight at the the buzzers uh in in various in various aspects in all the games but yeah Arizona's trending in the right direction when Caleb Love doesn't play his best and you still one of those win you know a tough road game like that that's a that's a sign of a good team. And even like right?
0: you mentioned Caleb Love, like in the game, I know we're talking about the Utah game where he didn't have his greatest shooting, but he still does everything else. Like I've been very impressed with him where kind of like early when Colin Boswell would struggle he would just kind of turtle. His shot wasn't there and he wasn't playing defense and all that. and He wasn't aggressive. You know, Caleb Love shot five of 20 against Utah, had 10 rebounds, two blocks, a steal, two assists. Like he was active. He still had 19 points because he made six free throws and three of his five makes were threes. But, like, he contributes. Like, he's engaged. He wants to win. And even he's going to shoot. He needs to shoot anyway. It's like somebody's going to shoot for 20. Can you still win? Yes. Clearly you can. And he also made a big three, I think, in the third overtime or something. Like, if I remember right, it's almost a week ago. Um, so, yeah, it, not a, like, it doesn't mean that they've got everything figured out and they're destined to make a final four. But if you're like, oh, they can't win on their road, well, now they can. Right. I mean, they had won at Duke. They had, they had won road games this season, but these were two tough road games. Not saying because of the opponents, although the opponents were decent, but the places where they are playing with the mountain swing is difficult for everybody. So to sweep that certainly does send a message that, I mean, maybe that Arizona, when they really want to play well, they can. You know, when they're focused, when you're doubting them, when people are like questioning if they can do it, you'd like to think they wouldn't need that motivation, but maybe, maybe they were a little bit more motivated to win those games and it showed in their performance
2: yeah and you're you're seeing what you want to out of the the dogs on the roster you brought in right that mental toughness where you find a way to win even when you're not playing your best um and so that that's a very positive sign you know ballo has been looking great you know maybe you've seen some growing pains for the freshman where kj lewis has looked great uh and a lot of times this season that wasn't his road trip and no. nor was it nor was it uh, crevices right he he struggled in different ways in both games um but jayden you know, bradley's
0: really finding his way it seems like kyle jayden boswell bradley had oh, a nice road trip where he looked like jayden, more like himself
2: yeah kyle boswell and jayden bradley are are that's kind of the difference in those in those two games in my mind well, Bradley, right? of course and,
0: one of our guys evan miyakawa his his rating system as Jaden bradley as the top glue guy in the country like oh really that's yeah. that's interesting yeah um, it's his metrics, obviously, but Jaden Bradley, he's an impact player for Arizona off the bench.
2: Yeah. And and he's a guy that's going to have the ball in his hand a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So when he's playing well, it can bleed over into everybody else on the team. And I think he had, what, 14 points against Colorado. Like that's a that's a really nice game off of the bench. Right. Uh, and also, let's let's not overlook that Arizona got to go to their bench early. In that game after the triple overtime, get some guys some other minutes. You know, Conrad Martinez got to play a lot and looked pretty good. Yeah, they did on right? The,
0: like, yeah. they got to their bench early. They were able to get guys to not have to play. I mean, Caleb Love played 35 minutes in that game. I don't know why, <laughs> but like, Boswell played 35, but like, Bala only had to play 27. Yeah, Conrad Martinez got to play. Jaden Bradley had 27 minutes off the bench. Like, they got to go to their bench a little bit, and like, because they had a comfortable lead.
2: KJ, K.J. Lewis had more fouls per than, a minute than 1990s Mark West.
0: <laughs> and West entered the game with, like, two fouls already.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, K.J. Yeah. Lewis
0: fouled out of that game in seven minutes.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, freshman. Uh, did he even break a sweat in that game? Because <laughs> I don't think he could have. No, but but uh, it's... You're you're seeing a lot of things coming together, and I don't know if Arizona's played their perfect game even yet. Maybe when they when they dismantled Colorado the first time, but I think that was just as much about Colorado being terrible. But you know, Umar Ball is playing the best he has all season. Probably Bradley's probably playing the best he has all season. Boswell's becoming a bit more consistent. Maybe not his. Hopefully, he's uh, out of his slump. Yeah, he's maybe not the Duke game where he was maybe the best player on the court but he is not. A, he is a significant net positive. Mm-hmm. Caleb Love hasn't, you know, he's Caleb Love, and you're going to have the games where he is the dude, and there's other games where he's just going to, he's still one of the most valuable guys on there and has that dog in him, right, On, on and wants the ball. Um, Shaw Johnson's got a little more variable uh, in, in things, but, he, you know, he still brings it in effort and defense. It's You're seeing a lot of these pieces coming together You know, at this point, I think it's about don't you know, it's about mental toughness as much as anything else. It's about trying to work on specific things to prepare you for March. And it's about trying to stay healthy. And that's where getting these guys in for these minutes. And maybe it's down the stretch when the you know, when the games hopefully get a little bit uh, less challenging. You know, keep your guys healthy, keep them fresh, but keep them sharp. Certainly. I think
0: at this point, Arizona, of course, they're up to fifth in the AP poll. They are in charge of the Pac-12 like that. It's theirs to lose. At this point, Arizona is a game up on Washington State, although, of course, Washington State, as of right now, has the tiebreaker.
2: Womp, womp,
0: <laughs> but, but certainly Arizona is in a position on February 15th, as we record, kind of where you'd want them to be. right? They're on the one-seed line in a lot of projections. They seem to be playing some of their better basketball. They haven't peaked, it doesn't look like. They haven't played their best game or a, completely, a truly complete game. And maybe they won't ever. That's hard. But it's hardly it's hard going to say this is the best they can be. But where they're at right now is pretty dang good, especially it was in that road trip. Brett, let's take a break because, as you mentioned, it's now kind of playing, getting ready for the tournament for them. As we said, Arizona right now, for most bracketologies, is on the one seed line, which is you know not bad. We'll take that. We're going to talk to Brian Bennett from The Athletic. He's one of their bracket guys, one of their senior editors for college basketball. He's going to give us his thoughts on Arizona basketball and where they stand as the tournament gets ever so close. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.1. We are joined by Brian Bennett. He's with The Athletic. He's their men's college basketball editor. And according to his Twitter profile, fake bracket maker. But right now, Brian, all brackets are fake. So you're just a bracket maker Welcome back to Wildcat Radio
1: 2.0. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. We talked to you last year, I remember, about how Arizona was. They ended up being a two-seed. I forgot what we were talking about. Of course, they were a two-seed. that got bounced in the first round. So that was that was fun. But Arizona this season, they got to that really good start. You know, they had the wins over Duke, over Michigan State, over Wisconsin. They rose to number one in the rankings, the AP poll. And they sputtered a little bit. Now they're on a five-game win streak, came off the mountain swing where they swept both Utah and Colorado. And it seems like they're back on the one-seed line for a lot of people. Is that kind of where you have them, too? Yeah, I have them
1: right now as my fourth number one seed. You know, I think that they studied the ship a little bit. They had they have a really good profile. And the fact that Tennessee's lost a couple games here. North Carolina's lost a couple games here. Kansas has fallen off just a little bit. So there's not a ton of you know, really strong style competition for that one, that once fourth one seed right now. Now, the issue is that Arizona might not be able to pick up a lot more quality wins the rest of the way and they, that could help them get past, you know, but uh right now, I think they have the, the strongest resume and the committee is going to put out its top 16 on Saturday and I'd be stunned if Arizona's not a number one seed.
0: Yeah, and it seems like you touched on a couple of things there where Arizona, the Pac-12 doesn't offer a lot of really big wins and that they, you know, a lot of teams around them, though, in the polls have lost games too so it's like for Arizona fans it's really easy to get really down on a single loss when you lose to Oregon State it's like what are you doing losing to Oregon State on a buzzer breeder three when you lose to Washington State by three then you look around the country Kansas is losing games <laughs> Tennessee is losing games like they don't play in a vacuum is it just kind of like indicative or a symptom of just how college basketball is maybe this season where Arizona could lose five, six games and still be on that one seed line because is there anyone who has a much better, other four teams with a better resume, a better overall total body of work?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's two teams that have separated themselves, UConn and Purdue. And as we speak right now, Purdue's losing at home to Minnesota. We'll see what happens in that game. But uh, those two teams are clearly one and two. And I think Houston, number one in all the metrics – uh, really good season. Those are the top three teams, unquestionably. The rest of them, everybody's got flaws and it has been incredibly hard for anybody to win on the road this year. So, you know, you see Kansas go and use the UCF, you see Tennessee go and get blown out by Texas A&M. You see North Carolina lose to Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Uh, that Those sort of things happen. Uh, and, you know, the Washington State loss no longer is a bad loss. They're a Q1 team right now. Um, so that looks better. And, uh, you know, Arizona did some good work early. I know it seems like forever ago, but when the committee sits down and looks at it, they, they count everything the same. And they look at the team sheets and who you beat. It doesn't matter when it happened. You know, winning at Duke and in Cameron Indoor Stadium, that's one of the best wins in, in all the country to win in that environment, uh, you know, to beat Wisconsin at home, but also to beat Michigan State away from home, to beat Alabama sort of away from home, <laughs> a little semi-home. So those those really help. Uh, so I think, I think Arizona's in great shape and then the computer numbers are really good too.
2: Yeah. So Brian, you kind of touched on a few things. I was, <laughs> I wanted to get your perspective on do, do you or the committee when you're looking at modern college basketball, I think the top 10 ranked AP teams have a losing record on the road this year, right? It's, and there's just modern basketball has parody. I've been on this podcast and Adam knows, I say, don't make me tap the sign because I keep it. I've been saying this for a few years, but now I think it's finally landed with people. Do you have to, as a, as a bracket maker, a fake bracket maker, even, uh, but even the real, the committee, do you have to start to reevaluate how you look at, you know, a resume today versus 20 years ago? It's just not the same kind of criteria. And like, even like you said, the, the Washington state loss, we thought was a bad loss. And like, actually they're the clear number two team in the Pac-12 it's a crappy Pac-12, but it's not as bad of a loss as we thought on the road. Right. How do you, how do you square all that when it seems to be happening all over at the same time?
1: Yeah. Again, I think everything happens in context and I'm going to be really interested in seeing, again, the committee is going to reveal its top 16 seeds on Saturday. That's going to give us a lot of insight into how they're thinking. But I do think looking at those road wins, teams that can win on the road, I think it's going to be more important than ever because nobody's doing it right now. So, you know, a team like UConn that just dominates and goes on the road and has no trouble. I mean, obviously they're going to be in one seat anyway, but that just makes it even more impressive. And, you know, teams like, uh, you know, Iowa State is coming on strong in the Big 12. They've been winning on the road. And I, I think that at the end of the day, there's a lot of teams here past the top three that are kind of all about the same, uh, not a lot separating them. And I think one of the big separators this year is going to be, did you win on the road? Uh, and obviously, you know, NCAA tournament games are played away from home. So that, that is a, a key thing that the committee looks at. There's a lot of teams who've done a lot of good work at home but that's just not good enough. You've got to win away from home. And I think that's what is really becoming more and more important. You know, as, as you mentioned, as teams get more and more bunched up there in that middle.
2: Well, it went for, for a team like Arizona, when you look at a weaker Pac 12, where there's, there's not really any more opportunities for big, big wins for them. Right. Right. Is that going to, at the end of the day in this season, because it's not just the pack 12 basketball out West this year is just not particularly, particularly great. Um, when you look at seeding and placement, you know, Arizona might be might be the lowest seeded of the four uh, one seeds if they get a one seed. But do they benefit from the weakness out west? Just like they 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 struggle to have a resume because the Western the Western region is soft. But then do they get the benefit of geography just by default in terms of which bracket they get placed in?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would argue the Mountain West has been really good this year. I've got six of their teams in, in the tournament right now. Uh, so you're going to count that as the West. The WCC has definitely been down. The Mary's has come on late, but this is one of the worst Gonzaga years we've seen, you know, under Mark feud in the last quarter century. So, you know, I think one of the things being, if you're the best team in the Pac-12, usually you're going to be in the West region, right? And so if you're Arizona, whether you're a one seed or a two seed, I don't I don't think it really matters because I think they're going to be in Salt Lake City in the West region either way. And, you know, because of the incredible emphasis on geography the tournament has usually the the best teams aren't going to be sent out west uh because the, the better teams you're looking at that two line again it's we're talking about tennessee marquette north carolina kansas none of those teams want to go out west the committee's not going to put them out west unless that's the only place to put them so there's a good chance you're going to get the third one of those twos or you know one of the bottom ones you know you could be the number one two seed playing the fourth one seed so yeah that way it does help you a little bit. You know, at the end of the day, you still got to win games. We saw last year, it doesn't really matter where you were seeded. <laughs> you saw the teams that made the final four. Uh, it's still going to be at least four tough games for you, maybe five, maybe six. So uh, that is, is is something you got to navigate no matter what. But I think for Arizona, to me, I think we make a lot of noise about one and two seeds. But as long as you get a good geographic placement and you're a one or two, it, it really doesn't make that much difference.
0: No, as Arizona fans know, being out west, geography it really helps them in the Elite Eight, uh, especially when they're playing Wisconsin. But if you yeah. Ryan, you mentioned some things earlier, like you said, you know, UConn and Purdue are the clear top two teams, and that's. True, right? The metrics are there. The records are there. Houston's looked really good, too. I know in the athletic, there's a recent piece, like ranking the tiers, right? Brendan Marks and Kyle Tucker put it together. And Arizona okay. is put in the third tier, which was the, let me find here, it's fun but flawed. I think like the top of that tier, which they are fun but flawed, right? We've talked about them on this podcast. Like they're super talented, but they're not perfect. Their three-point defense isn't very good. But I'm wondering in terms of like when you tier things up like how far is it like what's the difference between like arizona and maybe tier two or tier one like how far behind from your vantage point is arizona from being as good as a UConn as good as a purdue knowing that they lost to purdue which was basically a road game even though it was technically a neutral state yeah. but like how far is arizona from that line would you think as far as quality of team
1: I don't, I don't think it's very far i mean you know i look at it as if arizona plays it's a game i think you can beat just about any man in the country now if If UConn's playing this A game, I'm not sure anybody's beating that team. Uh, I think they have the best A game of anybody. And Purdue's probably a a slight number two, just because Zach Eadie is just such a load. It's just, you know, if if the guards are hitting shots around Zach Eadie, I don't know what you're supposed to do there. He's going to foul you out, uh, and it's going to be very, very difficult. you got to pick your poison with them. But, you know, Arizona, they've got a lot of weapons, a lot of talent. Kale Blub is hitting shots, which seems to come and go. Uh, You know, Fallow is – is not getting picked on too much. I think that's one of the issues is a lot of these teams have five men who can really contribute offensively and are not just park them under the basket. Whereas Ballo, a lot of teams have been sagging off of him. I think they've come up with some, some creative ways to maybe lessen that. Uh, but you know, I, I think they have Boswell playing better and it seems like lately it's starting to pick, pick pick back up. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong on that. That was a little bit of slump there. So you know, I think if, if everybody's hitting on all cylinders, you know, I could I could definitely see them being right there in the national title discussion.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd love to get your perspective, Branks. I know Adam and I are you know we watch almost every game, um, and you know Arizona fans are angsty for, you know Adam referred to the lead eight. Arizona's fans just need a final four. Even if they lose yeah. in the final four, they just need they need to get to one. It's been a, it's been yeah. a minute. You know, I think. I would actually argue that the fun but flawed maybe even applied more to Arizona's team last year, even though their record was better. But I'd love to know your perspective of this Arizona team holistically compared to last year's team that, you know, went through the regular season, looks like a Corvette most of the time. And then, you know, when it came to the came to March, we saw what happened.
1: Yeah, I think I think they're a little bit better on the perimeter this year, Uh, you know, a little more athletic, a little bit more scoring uh, than they had last year. Clearly, their defense is better. You know, I think last year they were around, what, 40, something like that. Ken Palm this year, top 15, top 20. So I think a lot of that is just, you know, the, the wings are better, the perimeter is better. Uh, I never really trusted trusted Kirk Reese at all that much. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if we're going to trust Caleb Love either, but, you know, we've seen him get on a heater uh, before in March. And, and so we'll see. You know, I, I think maybe they were a little bit better inside last year. This year they're a little bit better on their perimeter. And when you get into March, a lot of times – it is that perimeter game. We saw it against Princeton, spreading them out, right, using those wings and guards who were actually very talented for Princeton. Uh, that was a big problem for Arizona. So I think they've got, I think they've just got different ways to play this year uh, than maybe they had uh, last year. So that that's helpful. So, you know, it's probably going to come down to can they make some shots.
0: That actually just kind of leads into one of my questions that I have. Is like, what's the perception of Arizona this year? Like Tommy Lloyd, it's his third time, with you know, third season with Arizona, first two years, high seeds kind of flamed out a little bit earlier than they should have especially last season you go get Caleb Love you go get Keyshawn Johnson who have final four national championship experience you know you have Pella Larson as a veteran where Ballo as a veteran is this team seen nationally as a like a different Arizona than what was the last couple seasons or is there still that kind of sense of like yeah they're they're talented but they've they've done this before they've had 23 24 25 game regular seasons before and fallen flat like what's what do people see in Arizona what's the perception
1: yeah, I think it's it's probably a little bit of wait and see. I think I think people realize they're good, very talented, very good regular season team. I think there's some some questions about how good the Pac-12 is. You know, I think fairly or unfairly, there's a little bit of the Gonzaga stigma with, with uh, Tommy Lloyd still like, oh, yeah, awesome in a regular season, good enough to make a run of the March, but are they good enough to win at all? Are they a little soft? I don't think this team is soft, but I do think that maybe there's a perception out there. West Coast basketball, you know, Tommy Lloyd, get it up and down. Uh, so that there's probably some perceptions of that out there. Uh, but then again, I'd say most people in the country don't watch that much Pac-12 basketball. Like, I wrote a story this week about Washington State, and I realized, like, all but one of their games has been on Pac-12 Network. Nobody's seen these guys play. <laughs> so, you know, other than, you know, people who are out there. So it's... Yeah, uh, we've we've you know, seen I, them play once anyway. Right. <laughs> if you talk about nationally, anybody west of the Rockies, I mean, east of the Rockies has probably not seen... Much Pac-12 basketball because it's just it's just hard to access. But uh, you know, we'll see. I I think uh, it's really it's a make or break March in some ways. I mean, it's going to be fine no matter what. But you know, they're going to they're going to make their reputation. They need to get to that second weekend to really kind of get people to believe. I think. Yeah, and I I know
0: I think for Arizona fans and Brad and I talk about it at times like there's a confidence because you have a Caleb Love on this team who has been there before and obviously his. His story is pretty well known. Um, I, I forget yeah. who had the, I don't know if it was an athletic story, I think before the season started, or just like an in-depth profile of Caleb Love. Yeah, right? I mean, I I was, yeah. And it was really, really good. It's kind of like, hey, this kind of misunderstood. And granted, it's somewhat one-sided, right? That's Caleb Love's side of things. And there's three sides to right. every story. But how much is just his presence on Arizona change the perception? Or maybe like when people are watching, hey, Caleb Love at Arizona is a different player than Caleb Love at North Carolina. Is that something you guys see?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if people remember him making those big shots in March a couple of years ago, uh, last year was pretty bad, but I just think he was kind of a bad fit for that North Carolina team in a lot of ways. They just, they had R.J. Davis and having R.J. Davis and Caleb Love in the same backcourt just was not a great fit. Uh, and you've seen North Carolina's a lot better this year. I mean, North Carolina's in that two-seed range. Uh, boy, I, I think we're all kind of secretly hoping North Carolina and Arizona play for the Caleb Love Bowl uh, in the lead eight. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, so, yeah, I think everybody knows that He's a very streaky player. You know, I, I covered that guy in high school and watched him play a little bit. Uh, he's a guy who can just get on an incredible heater. And you know, he has no lack of confidence. <laughs> you know, he'll shoot at any time and he always wants the big shot at the end of the game. So, uh, you know, at least you got one of those, you need one of those guys who believes he can do it. Now, whether he can actually do it, last year he missed a lot of those shots and, uh, you know, he's had some ups and downs this year, but I think, you know, he's not going to lack for confidence and you got a guy who's, at the end of games is
2: is, is going to want the ball. Yeah. Brian. I would never accuse the committee of trying to force a narrative with a fun matchup <laughs> that brings ratings with North Carolina versus Arizona. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's actually funny. Uh, I saw something on Twitter a few weeks ago. It, it In terms of the visibility here, and I kind of want to pivot this. Maybe even the Pac-12. Uh, you know, we talked about how weak it is, but nobody kind of knows. I saw something where it compared all the computer metrics compared to the coaches and the AP rankings, and basically. Everything that has people's opinion, every West Coast team, everyone in the Mountain Time Zone in West was like five or ten spots lower than what the the numbers said. And I I I ask that as kind of a, a wind up for you know we talked about like Washington State who might be the second best team in the Pac-12. How many how many Pac-12 teams do you see getting in realistically? And how much is that lack of exposure from the Pac-12 network and just time zones going to hurt the Pac-12 in its swan song year?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that's that's going to hurt when it comes to tournament selection. I think, I do think it hurts with perception and polls, things like that. I, I think you know the, the computer algorithms they don't care. You know, computer algorithms will stay at twenty four hours. They don't care. <laughs> they see every game, uh, no matter what network it's on. Uh, and and you know you you don't have a lot of teams with a lot of big wins. Um, that's that's just the truth. Uh, Washington State's having a fantastic story here, uh, fantastic run. But if you look at their non conference. They didn't do much they beat boise state that's probably their best win uh utah you know they beat byu i, I believe uh is their best win uh, if i have that correct uh, but they've really been sliding here i really believe in colorado i was very high on them going into the year i think they're super talented i think they got at least two pros on that team maybe three they've been injured uh obviously arizona just absolutely thumped them in boulder uh, you know coming off that triple overtime game like that's a game colorado has to win right And we saw what happened when Colorado came to Tucson. So, I just I just don't know what teams have stepped up. Oregon has been a huge disappointment again. uh, UCLA, we know what a disaster that has been. They they finally turned it on, right? But it's just too late. So, like who else who else could you even see getting in from this league other than Arizona, Washington State, and they Washington State still they you know they go on a three game losing streak. They're probably right back off the bubble. Uh, Utah is in trouble so yeah I mean somebody can make a run in the Pac-12 tournament Uh, you know maybe Colorado gets to the final or wins that but I think I I can't see them get more than three in um, unless something really crazy happens and I, I don't think that's East Coast bias I just think that teams just haven't performed
0: yeah, it's the Pac-12 and its last season for being a pretty good basketball conference has not been great, of course. I know we're all excited to see Arizona in the Big 12 next season. I can't imagine nationally that's an exciting thing, too. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But as we wrap up here with you, Brian, Arizona, you have them on the one-seed line. A lot of people do. Do they have to win out to keep that spot on the one-seed line? or Because it, they, all they have left are Pac-12 games. We just talked about how the pectoral not very good. So like, can they afford yeah. a loss or do they have to win out? Do you think to stay on the one line?
1: Yeah. It, it's always hard to answer the questions because I don't know what other teams are going to do. Like sure. if you sure. tell me, that, if you tell me Arizona, Iowa state wins out, for example, uh, in the big 12, that's probably like five more Q1 wins. Uh, and maybe they, even if Arizona did win out, uh, they still might get jumped because just because that resume at that point would be overwhelming. Same thing with the Tennessee, you know, uh, same thing, maybe with the North Carolina, the ACC is pretty weak. So, or Marquette, like, what if Marquette goes in and, and beats UConn this weekend in stores, and beats him again in, in Milwaukee? And so, you know, I've said Marquette, it's looking like one seed. So it's very hard to tell. I, I will say that if Arizona wants to hang on to that one seed line, they, they probably do have to come pretty close to the winning out. And I'm just looking at their schedule. Like, they got a lot of Q2 games, so, like, you could drop one of those, especially if it's on the road, and you'd be okay. Like, if they lose it, UCLA... It's probably okay. People understand UCLA playing tough, and they go on and win the Pac-12 tournament. Assuming nobody else is is super hot, they still got a chance. I, I think the committee, you know, if it's close, they're probably lean toward giving the West Region to Arizona. It just makes a lot of sense geographically. Uh, but yeah, there's just there's not a lot of statement games here. There's not there's not a top 25 team left on the schedule. You know, Washington State's your best opponent. It's at home, so. Just not a lot of statement opportunities. So they're going to have to you know, really play well in these games too and not just win by one or two points. They're going to have to really run up those efficiency margins and keep those computer numbers high.
0: Well, I know our listeners enjoy watching that happen when it does because <laughs> yeah. winning by 40 is a lot better than winning by two. But then yeah. wins are the most important, especially once you get into March. Brian Bennett, you can find him on Twitter at G Brian Bennett. He's with the athletic college basketball editor bracket guy. So anything you want to plug that's coming up that Arizona fans or just any college basketball fans would be interested on the athletic.
1: Well, I know we are going to catch up with Arizona before the end of the season. Uh, we have that in, in, uh, in store. Uh, so you, there'll definitely be a story on them coming next couple of weeks. And one of our best writers is on it. That's all I'll give you for that. But uh, I think, I think that'll be an enjoyable read um, and lots of other fun stuff. We've just been covering the entire country. Like I said, that's right in Washington state the other day. We've covered just about every team in the country, and bracket watch, bubble watch, keeping you all up to date on what's going on in the tournament. We just There's no college basketball coverage quite like what we do.
0: No, certainly enjoyed and looking forward to seeing everything the Athletic has to offer. Brian Bennett, thank you for your time, and we'll catch up with you again down the road.
1: Thanks a lot. Best of luck to the Cats the rest of the way.
0: All right, we appreciate that. So that's Brian Bennett. When we come back, we'll give you our final thoughts on Arizona basketball as they head into a game against ASU. We're back, and thanks again to Brian Ben from The Athletic. Of course, we talked to him last season, and he was pretty spot on with Arizona in terms of, like, <laughs> the things that were good about them, things that were bad about them. Of course, none of us expect him to lose in the first round of Princeton, but it's nice to catch up with Brian because, you know, he obviously knows a lot about Arizona, but sees him from a national perspective, whereas, like, we're Arizona people. We're in the Arizona vacuum, right? We see Arizona and only Arizona. There's a lot of other college basketball teams that impact their bracket seedings, and it's good to get the perspective from someone who pays attention to all of that. I mean, Yeah, they're a one seed right now. (laughs) That's that's what you want, like a one or a two seed right now, right?
2: Yeah, and it's he has such a good, interesting perspective because he has it pretty holistically, and it's always interesting for me to get the the outsider's insider perspective that's not watching all of the games all the time because that's just not you know feasible. And you know, I asked him the question of like you know comparing this team versus last year's team and or the other Tommy Lloyd teams, and you know. I thought his answer was 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 generally accurate, and like you know, us as watching it more often, despite Arizona's record, I think I trust this year's team in March more than last year's.
0: Yeah, because you mentioned like the guard play, right, the perimeter things, and they have a Caleb Love. They didn't have that last season. Toughness. Yeah, the things that they were lacking last season, we've talked about that all season, even when they were struggling. It's like the things that they were missing that probably cost them last season it doesn't mean they're going to make a Final Four this year, (laughs) right? Like, I I wrote a thing for Aziz there to Swarm this week and kind of mentioned how, you know, the ups and downs that the roller coaster is, like, Arizona's an ups and downs. I almost started that column off with just, like, you know, chances are Arizona's not winning a national championship or even making (laughs) the Final Four. Like, it's just the odds aren't in their favor. But right now they are one of the better teams in college basketball. Are they one of the best teams? I mean, they're not the best team. We know that. But like Brian said, Arizona – playing their A game can beat pretty much anybody other than maybe UConn at their A game or Purdue <laughs> at their A game. And I think that's what you're hoping for. You know, it's yeah. playing your best basketball, going into the tournament and then catching some breaks, right? You know, playing a team that has an off night or getting the break with someone beating the team that would have given you trouble, just whatever it is. We don't know if that's going to happen, but right now Arizona's in a place where people are feeling good about them again, where they are a one seed for now but it looks like even if they take care of business, if they win out or maybe lose at UCLA or whatever, at worst, they're going to two seed probably still out West. And I think, fine. <laughs> you know? One or two seed, like a one seed, it feels good, but it doesn't guarantee anything.
2: Well, it's it's funny because like, you know, we Arizona fans complain about East Coast bias to some extent justifiably, right? But then I wonder how many Arizona fans, when they see the first, you know, Uh, rankings from the committee and it shows Arizona as a one seed are going to be like complete because they're just only watching Arizona games and not paying attention to what's happening in modern college basketball and so there's this they have their own internal narrative and it's like you know I was (laughs) not to get philosophical on you for a second but I was thinking about this this week and I, I heard some interesting in a in a in a podcast thing where it's it was it was about like how joy is doubled when shared and ha and sorrow is halved when shared. And it's like about how you it amplifies positive things when you're with people. I think for Arizona fandom, the opposite is true. Like they're like they double the pain <laughs> and they have the joy, right? Yeah. And so like they can't they the another way of saying that is like they take the losses ten, to, you know, two X or more worse than the big win like Oh yeah. I have that in my call, call. Yeah. How yeah, like
0: it's losses hurt like losses feel a lot
2: worse and wins feel good, you know. Like it's, well, the, the the wins are ex, you know it's mm-hmm. the expectation supposed games. to win that expected, game. you know, and you feel real good after like after beating Colorado by twenty, but you're like, yeah, great, we should have probably beaten them, but mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to somebody goes off hitting a fadeaway three and it's like we're terrible at everything, yep. and that's just part of Arizona yep. fandom. Yep. The losses like
0: the wins are supposed to happen, so at best they feel okay, at worst it's like a relief. Whereas a loss, like you're not supposed to lose to anybody. And any single loss, especially to a Pac-12, especially to Oregon State on the road or Washington State or Stanford. You know, you can't lose that game. If you do, it means you're terrible. It's like, no, everyone's terrible then. Pretty much it's been that kind of season, especially for teams on the road, and that's kind of – that's part of this, is that why is Arizona still on the one-seed line with five losses? Well, Kansas has six, right? You know, (laughs) other schools have more. And, you know, the same amount or more. And that's just college basketball. Does that mean Arizona's going to run the table? I don't know. I wouldn't expect them to, just because it's they got road games and it's just tough. I'm like this weekend against ASU. ASU is not particularly good. They've won a couple of games in a row now. They've shown a little bit of signs of life, but you know we know what happened the last time they played in Tucson. Those two teams. So you
1: know. <sighs> yeah, but it's, you have to win.
0: Like you have to win that game. Right? It's like Brian said, like you have to. You can't if you lose on the road to like UCLA. The committee will be somewhat forgiving. It's like road games are hard and UCLA is tough. If you lose at home to ASU, that's that's a bad loss. That's a type of loss that knocks you down to the two seed, like to two line no matter what.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and UCLA is playing better of late. They haven't lost by forty six points in scores of days. <laughs> um, but they no, but they're they're a talented team that's getting hot at, at the right. you know, no. too, probably too little, too late, but that's not I an think, easy game.
0: I think there's a loss on the schedule still.
2: Like, before the Pac-12 tournament, I do. Like, I think Arizona's playing
0: well, and I think they've kind of found what they need to be, but I don't see them running the table just because, like, they haven't done anything that makes me think they can. I don't think they're such better than everyone else, especially in road games when they're going to get everyone's best shot, that they're not going to be prone to having a bad night where their team hits 15 threes
2: again or something like that. I could see it. What, the, what is there? There's seven, seven ga- games left. I mean, they're on uh, the road
0: at ASU and then at UCLA and USC to finish the season. You got home I mean, games, even Washington the
2: state, Washington and Oregon, when even the USC game, like they yeah, have the underperformed talent, but they've ha- they have talent. They're yeah. underperformed. Sure. But, but that could be like one of those garbage games that it's like, oh, crap. Um, You know, I just I, I think you're probably right that they they lose one. I think it's largely how how it goes. If as they long play as well on
0: the road, I think people will probably be more understanding.
2: Well, and if it, if it's on the road at UCLA and they've got guys hitting fadeaway threes that are well contested and well guarded, and Arizona's taking their shots, you know, like Actually, Brian said, it's going to come down to whether they make their shots. It's like it's a really a simple game when you put it. That way, let's put Brian. it this way:
0: as long as it's on the road and it's not at ASU, which means it'll have to be at UCLA or USC, and I think LA, and people yeah. will be be understanding and forgiving, especially if they run the table from here. Like they have like what that'd be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least a ten game winning streak before the end of the season. Like, just a loss doesn't have to mean that they've fallen apart and they can't make a deep tournament run. But what do you think of this ASU game? Like, ASU's not very good, right? I mean, this is a game that a good Arizona team wins by 15 to 25.
2: Yes. (laughs) Like, if Arizona doesn't play with their food or, oh, I don't know, inexplicably let somebody shoot an uncontested 70-footer as the clock expires with a 2-point lead. Like
0: ASU has won two in or they beat Utah on the road and Oregon State at home.
2: Well, Utah's <laughs> kind of broken. Arizona kind of broke them, I think. Um they I don't have they won since the triple overtime or since before the triple overtime game. Utah? Yeah. I mean, that was
0: just last weekend, so probably not because
2: they lost <laughs> to ASU the next game. Yeah. Um they they're, they're they they look like they're running out of steam. And they
0: play USC. By the time you listen to this recording, they're playing USC like the night we're recording this, so they'll have played a game. Maybe they won. Choose your adventure. Uh, yes, they beat USC by a score of two. <laughs> or they lost another one by a score of two. Yeah, Adam, I was
2: going <laughs> to do the old Simpsons thing from the you know, hand over the mouth thing, but we're just a pot. Even though we can see each other, our listeners can't see that you cover the mouth up and do the Denver Broncos. Just dub it in, yeah. (laughs) Um, That was was a Clinton-era Simpsons episode,
0: if I recall uh, correctly. ASU, they got I mean, Frankie Collins is a pretty good player, especially like he gets a lot of steals. Jose Perez, another guard. Like, they're a guard-oriented team. They call themselves Guard U. Their guards haven't really been that good for a while but that's if they're going to beat Arizona it's going to be Arizona playing an off game you know their defense falls apart especially perimeter yeah. and someone like Adam Miller who doesn't shoot the ball well at all just gets hot you know and Arizona's offense is cold seems like with a week off in between for Arizona after that road trip as long as they're not cocky and I'd like to think that they are mature enough at this point in the season to know that they have to bring it to beat pretty much anyone even at McHale Center they come out and play their game they're going to win it fairly comfortably but You know, it's, it's nice to be in that position where it's like, it's up to you, what you do not what the opponent, like there's nothing ASU can do to Arizona that would cause ASU like lead to them winning this game. Right. They don't have a matchup advantage anywhere. They don't have anything that they could do to Arizona. It's basically what Arizona fails to do on their end if they're going to lose.
2: So I think the one thing that ASU can do, but it requires Arizona to play into their hands. ASU has some like big raw athletes that can potentially really be disruptive on defense. Right. Yeah. So, like, if they can do that and combine that with them hitting shots, like, their best offense is transition layups because they don't have an offense under yeah. Bobby Hurley ever, inexplicably. Like Arizona should
0: be playing volleyball at the rim and just out rebounding him by 20. Like, they have the size advantage, and Arizona has athletes too. That's why it's a little bit different than like last year's games where ASU, when they kind of mucked things up a little bit. But we'll see. They got to play the game, right? I mean, <laughs>
2: If if the Umar Ballo of the last couple of weeks shows up for this game, I don't think there's any doubt, right? Yeah. Yeah. If 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 the if the ASU's perimeter defense gives them fits and Umar Ballo plays soft and ASU hits shots, then that's the recipe for disaster. But that's a lot of ifs to get to that point.
0: Yeah, right. There, there, it's a lot smoother a road for Arizona winning this game comfortably than for ASU winning at all. So yeah, so we'll see. That game is Saturday evening um Brett before we wrap up here a couple of quick notes Arizona officially named Dino Babers the offensive coordinator interesting I guess he's another desert swarm type of guy I don't know what to think don't know what kind of offense he runs and I do think it's a little bit odd that Arizona's coordinators are both like in their 60s you know that's it's a choice we'll see how it goes
2: He's in the 60s more like Dino Babers am I right Adam
0: all right. Also, Arizona baseball debuted a nice <laughs> powder <laughs> blue uniform. We can end on a high note. I think they look good. They're obviously powdered powder blue, baby blue is not an Arizona color, but, you know, they, they look nice. So, you know, there's that. And football, speaking of them again, they are predicted by a lot of early bowl projections to be like, you know, they're still a top 15 team with what they have right now in the new coaching staff. So, yeah, I think that's about wrap it up here. Let's see the spring sports are going to start getting going. Baseball, softball underway this week basketball's going to keep rolling on and football we're going to start getting more now that the transfer portal has ended for arizona's guys leaving with the jed fish departure arizona's roster is at least set for now other than maybe any additions they could make from guys who are in the portal of course ucla has players and other schools it's a never ending portal season now at least for one school at a time so we'll see until the portal reopens in the spring for everybody yeah and then everybody that's the spring's gonna be wild but Yeah, that about does it for us this week. You know, thanks again to Brian Bennett from The Athletic showing his insight and his bracket, his, I don't want to say bracketology, that's, you know, Joe Lenardi's thing, but just his insight on the brackets and his thoughts on where Arizona stands right now and what they have to look forward to. Of course, you can find us on the social media at Wildcat Radio AZ is the Twitter handle. Um, We'll occasionally ask for a mailbag question there. We didn't this week, so you didn't miss anything. But whether we do or don't, if you have any questions, hit us up on there. We can get to it during the show. Of course, you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. You should subscribe to us on both platforms because we like that. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll read that review on the air. Brett, do we have any new reviews? We do not. Oh, I hyped it up pretty good, I thought, in my voice. That's okay. I'm an Arizona fan. I'm used to being disappointed. <laughs> But <laughs> I think otherwise that about does it. We appreciate you all listening this week. And, yeah, whatever happens this weekend with Arizona basketball, men's and women's, what happens with baseball, softball, we'll so talk about it all next week. But until then, thanks for listening. Remember to bear down.
1: Bear down.